Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Monster, Dear Monster, a monster discussion podcast. Uh, Today you have me, Leonard, one of your uh, (laughs) regular hosts, and of course, our friend Dave. Yep, it's just us. (laughs) There's just the two of us. Just the two of us. Uh, Cameron is a sleepy, sleepy boy, as is his tendency, considering that he lives how many time zones away from us, Dave? I don't know, but it's 19 hours away from me, I think. 19? So Maybe it's not 19. (laughs) It's it's a lot. At least 15 hours. It's all of the it's all super the late for <laughs> him. It's like um, one o'clock in the morning or something. And today we're going to be covering another episode of Melvina's Therapy, a the comic that I keep pushing on this show because it's it's real good. <laughs> Just because um, it's and, good, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that well, yeah, and you know, and they're monsters. Good, good, and monsters are usually a pretty good prerequisite to get on the show as opposed to bad no, with we, monsters yeah we, we've done bad with monsters so <laughs> i think right i think the only prerequisite is monsters um and I that's was, that's was, stretchable but i was um, hoping <laughs> that we could that we could trick just trick a couple more people into thinking that we had some some quality uh standards for for the podcast if if they've been around this long there we're not fooling nobody um <laughs> and if you're new well we're done we're done pulling the wool over people's eyes um stick around it's it's fun uh yeah <laughs> so we'll we'll get on to that after our um our traditional yokai of the week segment oh yes um new, news okay. News news. Do we have any news? No, I don't think so. Um, any? Yes, I, I, there is news. The most horrifying, monstrous film, Cats, has been a, oh, has been yeah <laughs> put into right. CG. Um, I, don't, I don't even think it's posterity because future generations might not want to watch it. Um, well, we don't. We don't know. Well, it's a play, so we know exactly what the. Uh, the movie is it's just <laughs> visually horrifying um additionally and not related the uh, or not the a video game entitled um sea of solitude uh came out two two three weeks ago um i highly recommend that one it's deals specifically with depression so content warning but um the actual it has monsters and they're good no um, good and the it's a small it's a small studio the um the the main protagonist uh you're you're basically uh, it's sort of like eco okay that kind of feeling um and you're running through an abandoned city that uh the landscape perpetually changes according to the the mood of the protagonist so the more depressed or more bad um she's feeling the city will fill up with like water and there'll be more monsters and then the better um she's feeling the the water will recede and make traversal easier um it's like i said thematically it's actually a lot of heavy stuff um but the game uh on the whole uh, in gameplay and in the monsters which we're a little bit more interested in is um very good 
All right. I don't think there was anything. Uh, Hereditary just came out. No monsters in that, but uh, it is a good um, follow up on uh, Hereditary. Did I say Hereditary? Yes. Midsommar. You did. Sorry. Midsommar <laughs> came out. These things happen. It's early. Um, yes. I don't um, think there was in stuff. I don't remember anything else upcoming. Maybe in the fall. Unless you're aware of something. It's been kind of dry for monstrous stuff um, recently. Uh, the only other thing, at least gaming-wise, that I can bring up of note is uh, Frogwares of uh, the Sinking City. The mm, uh, yeah. Cthulhu. Yes, or- it is. It is, it is, it, it, it's a Lovecraft game. Hey, surprise, I'm talking about Lovecraft again. You can't stop me. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, a fascinating investigation uh, game set in a uh, very Lovecraftian uh, town of Oakmont, Massachusetts. And uh, that game goes in hard with the Lovecraft, like, immediately. Um, there's no subtle ramp up to like oh oh it's a cthulhu it's it's lovecraft literally from the moment that you step off the required boat necessary to transport your character to whatever uh to the town um and for that alone i'm kind of impressed because once again, I'm very used to uh, games having that uh, ramp up to mm-hmm. the Lovecraft revelation, as opposed to just putting it on Front Street and having that just be a part of the fiction that exists openly from the onset. Hmm. So um, there's a little bit of it's a it's a euro it's a euro game, so uh, there's going to be a fair amount of euro jank, but. Uh, Overall, I think it's a pretty darn fun, interesting game. Yeah, it's another another slightly water city esque game. We should do a yes. water episode. Yeah, 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 yep. Just yep. The 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 city flooded um, completely, and then people just moved back into it, and then there were Lovecraft monsters and. All other, really, that's actually kind of that is the actual premise of that game is that the city got completely flooded, and then uh, uh, the big Lovecraft started happening almost immediately after it partially drained. So it's 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 real good and real weird right off the bat. Excellent. I think there's a couple other films that um, deal with that. Uh, although, spe- yeah, specifically, I'll have to look up the title. I'll put it in the notes. Um, there is a, is it the South American film? Um, and a city had been, I don't know if it was just flooded. I think it was actually put under a lake and the lake was drained. And then people are exploring what, like the remains of the, the city that exists. Um, I think it's more like a slasher film, but it's arguable. I mean, it uh, fits some of those things. Um, also, uh, 
the the novel The Fisherman um, deals specifically with that. I think we brought that up in the past. Okay. Take That's a look at that again. It's definitely uh, Lovecraft on its sleeve. Um, fiction. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly, fairly large book. Um, a few times, I think, uh, when John was guesting, um, we, we discussed that, or at least maybe I told him to go read it. Because <laughs> it's oh, okay. <laughs> But All yeah, right. so I think that's yes, the scary uh, that oh sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's the news. <laughs> the scariest thing that happened this week is is cats. Yeah. Um yeah, woof. And exceedingly woof. high temperatures. It's been very hot. Oh, oh fun. Um yeah, cool, cool in, in California so far. That'll change in approximately like 45 minutes, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. We're already at uh 80 something 85 gross and gross. super muggy so that's even worse but Ugh. whatever i'm i'm in i'm in a cellar so it's <laughs> it's only spooky not hot this <laughs> is uh, okay okay we'll have more news next time with actual looking up stuff <laughs> will will, will we dave will we uh yes because i will we'll try to stuff. <laughs> um, oh and uh I, now that we're done with that let's move on to our one of our normal segments uh yokai of the week bum, 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 bum. i like that we cut our, ourselves off from moving on to yokai to talk about <laughs> news big air quotes uh okay dave <laughs> It's it was um, your segment that we just haven't done for like three months. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, hi, hi, long time listeners. We're we're back. Oh yeah, we're running, back. We're back. Fi- firing on all cylinders. Summer right is out our summer vacation's over. We're we're back yep. to the enhanced schedule. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, go ahead. Lead us on uh, and and. Uh, I believe we're on uh, uh, M. Letter Dave? M. Letter M is um, yes, yes. Okay, uh, and as is customary, Dave, roll them. Four. Uh, the Mikioshi Nudo. Mikoshi Nudo. Yes, a. Bald goblin with an extending neck. Yep, that sounds like a yokai, all right. That's that's our boy. Whoa, he has a look at this guy's his uh his photo here. He got some googly eyes. Yeah. Uh <laughs> and he looks like Uncle yeah. Fester. <laughs> yep. <laughs> guys a uh, uh, looker. Any any He's lady looking, yokai looking, at, looking every which way. To, yep, any lady yokai would be would be uh, uh, blessed with such a handsome fella, I suppose. Okay, Dave, what's going on with this mo- this monster yokai? All right, so we'll of course look at the Wikipedia entry, but I have um, I'm sure we can find assorted entries in one of our other reference tomes. Mm. Yes, I think we will. So, 
according to the Wikipedia entry, he is a type of bald-headed yokai goblin, in quotes, uh, with an ever-extending neck. In Japanese folklore and Edo, uh, Edo period kaidan, so those ghost stories, the mikoshi nyudo will frighten people who look over the top of, of things such as uh, folding screens. Uh, there's not a list, so <laughs> over the top of <laughs> screens, <laughs> sound like there was going to be a list. Um, the name combines mikoshi, uh, literally see over, looking over the top of a fence in anticipation or expectation, and nudo, uh, entering the way uh, for a, a Buddhist priest. Uh, that's why he's bald. Because um, he has a shaven head. Uh, go ahead and read the first summary paragraph. Yes, by walking to the end of uh hmm, let's try this again. By walking to the end of a road at night or a hill road, something the shape of a monk, ooh, okay, would uh would suddenly appear. And if one looks up, it becomes larger the further one looks up. All right, becomes larger the further one looks up. They are so big that one would look up at them. And thus are given the name uh, Menage Nudo. Uh, look up, Nudo. Sometimes if one just looks at them like that, one might die. I, I guess I'll die. Um, but, they seem, but they seem to disappear, saying uh, Mikoshita? Yes, Mikoshita. I, uh, I've seen past you. They most frequently appear when walking alone on night paths, but they are also said to appear at intersections, stone bridges, and above trees. I'll continue the next part. It is said that getting flown over by a mikoshi nyudo results in death or getting strangled by the throat, and if one falls back due to looking up at the nyudo, one's windpipe would be or would get gnawed at uh, and they would be killed. On Iki Island off of Kyushu, a mikoshi nudo would make a warawara sound, like the swaying of bamboo. So by immediately chanting, I have seen past the mikoshi nudo, uh, mikoshi nudo mi, uh, miniuta, oh, uh, minuita, um, the nudo would disappear. It, but it is said that if one simply goes past them without saying anything, bamboo would fall, resulting in death. So you can't ignore these guys. Um, I think also that that seems to be <laughs> a, a large um, problem. Can't really ignore many of the yokai; they'll kill you. Yeah. Um, oh, continuing on in the Oda District, Okayama Prefecture, it is said that when one meets a mikoshi nudo, it is vital to lower one's vision to the bottom of one's feet, and if one instead looks up from. Uh, up to the head from the feet. So if you look from their feet to their head, you would be eaten or killed. Uh, All right. Other than this, uh, again, the syntax. Okay. Other than this, aside from chanting Mikoshita or uh, Minuita, so I've seen past you or seen through you, there are examples where the Mikoshi Nudo would disappear by mustering one's courage and smoking tobacco. Mm, okay. Or by calculating the height of the Mikoshi Nudo by a margin. So if you can guess their height close enough, um, they may vanish. <laughs> how how Rumpelstiltskin-esque. 
Yes. I wonder if that throw a tantrum. <laughs> uh, did you want to give the next paragraph a shot? Sure. Why not? Uh, in the essay, uh, Inika Kaiden by Hakucho uh, Nishimura uh, from the Edo period, the uh, Mikoshi Nudo is a Yakubogami that Yaku, inflicts, yeah. uh, well, that inflicts people with fever. Uh, there is a story. <laughs> there is a there is the story as follows. In the Shotoku era in Yoshida, uh, Mikawa province, now uh, you, can Toyo- <laughs> you can skip those bits, I think. Okay, let's see. Where have we got? Uh, Just right after the parentheses. Yes. Uh, the merchant uh, Zin- uh, Zinimon, my, my favorite Digimon, <laughs> uh, while on the way to... Uh, Dinma in uh, Nagoya uh, encountered a whirlwind and the horse he rode on started to have its feet hurt. Uh, When uh, Zinimon also felt unwell and started crouching and uh, Oyi Udo? Onyudo. That's that's like the, the type of this yokai. Ah. Uh, with a height of about uh, one, two, two, and three or four, uh, Shaku, about four meters, <laughs> appeared. Uh, the Nudo was almost like Ni- Nio? Neo. Neo. And as uh, the eyes shone like mirrors, Zinimon came closer. When uh, Zinimon trembled in fear and lied down on the ground, the Nudo jumped over here and uh, jumped over him and went away. At dawn, Zinimon stopped by a private house, and when he asked, Are there strange things like Tengu around here? he received the reply, Isn't that what's called a Mikoshi Nudo? Uh, afterwards, Zinimon reached his destination of Nagoya, but uh, he lost his appetite, was afflicted by a fever, and even medical treatment and drugs had no effect, and died on the 13th day. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> so just seeing him or bumping into him can kill you. Um, right. Indirectly. Even worse. Uh, we'll skip the next bit. The true identity of Mikoshi. Uh, there are many where the true identity, there are many tales where the true identity of Mikoshi Nudo is unclear, but there are regions where they are animals that possess the ability to transform. Uh, they are shape-shifted weasels, uh, and it is said that if one gets lured, lured to look up from the Nudo's experience, so if you're looking up when they're getting taller, um, the weasel would take that opening and bite your throat out. Um... <laughs> Otherwise, they may also be shape um, shape shifted tanuki uh, or kitsune, uh, or in another region they are mujina. So they are all manner of much smaller um, shape shifting animals, just <laughs> big to scare you or kill you, as the case may be. Yes. Um, and in 
some of those tales. Um, it is said that the Mikoshi Yudo's true form is not one of the um, creatures, but in fact a handheld object like a paper lantern bucket or a rudder, and that it would be um, possible to uh, defeat the Nudo by striking the object or, I guess, otherwise grasping it. Um, ah. We can skip the rest. Uh, and we'll do the yokai depictions because this is going to, I think, be more relevant. All right. Um, um, go ahead. Yes. Or, you know what? Uh, Re- read the second paragraph of this one. I'll, I'll do the top one. Okay. <clears throat> Even while simply saying Mikoshi Nudo, they have been depicted as having various appearances in yokai depictions. Uh, in the yokai emaki, um, it's like a, a picture book, um, the Hyakizukan, um, only his face and upper body have been captured in the depiction, and thus are um, compositions that do not make clear what they have for their body. So that part's been like uh, guessed at. Um, they have uh, de- been um, depicted by um, Sekien Toriyama, our, our yokai boy, um, as a been covered by the shadow of a large tree with a, um, a long neck. Uh, and it's a weird jump. Uh, so it's trying not the picture that that he had drawn is not trying to emphasize the long neck, but because of the shadow of the tree, um, that's what I think people ended up de- deciding uh, was going to be its its defining trait. Um, ah, okay. So so it's similar in some depictions to the um, uh, Rokurukubi. Um, that's the, <laughs> the long-necked um, lady. Uh, yes. Go ahead and read the second paragraph. While Mikoshi Nudo, depicted as a yokai with giant characteristics, exists, the Mikoshi Nudo that brings to mind the long-necked uh, Rokurukubi, uh, depicted in, in play images in the Edo period are certainly not strange. There are those who think that they are related to the Roku Rokubi, and since the Roku Rokubi of legends are frequently female, they are sometimes pointed out as uh, examples of male Roku Rokubi. Uh, the length of its neck has been exa- exaggerated over the passage of eras. <laughs> I, one day, one day in the future, I hope somebody will will make use the same statement for me. Um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, exaggerated over the passage of eras, and in the late Edo period, it has become standard for its neck to be long and thin, and for its face to have three eyes. Uh, in, well, in many... Uh, uh, Kuza Kazushi? Kusazoshi. Kukuzoshi, that has uh, a theme on yokai. They are depicted as having characteristic long necks and from having an appearance with such impact that they almost always appear as the chief yokai. There is an opinion that these kinds of things give a glimpse on the varied and complicated influence that went into forming the world of yokai. Um, 
Yes. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you have if you have regional um, differences and things where they're taking like bits of hearsay and folklore and combining them, then you end up with like some sort of amalgamation. Uh, but not a real big way to trace back the origins of those parts, then yeah, it's it's more complex than just going, oh, it's the guy with long neck. Yeah. <laughs> so I will read briefly, because it's, well, thankfully it's short, uh, the entry in um, The Night Parade of 100 Demons. So the Mikoshi Nudo, uh, it's the anticipated priest. Um, <laughs> habitat, bridges, roads, streets, and particularly at night. Uh, it's omnivorous and prefers travelers, I guess, to locals. The Mikoshi Nudo are fearsome yokai who appear late at night to lone travelers on empty streets, intersections, or bridges. They appear to be harmless traveling priests or monks, no taller than an ordinary person. But in an instant, they grow abnormally tall, with long claws and hair like a wild beast. Their behavior... As soon as a person raises his eyes to look upon a Mikoshi Nudo, the giant grows to an immense height, as tall as the observer is able to raise his eyes, and just as fast. This causes the person to look up so high and fast that they lose their balance and tumble backwards. That's when the Mikoshi Nudo lunges forward and bites their throat out with its teeth. Um... Okay, uh, those unfortunate enough to meet this cruel yokai usually do not live to tell the tale. Much depends on the person's reaction. If they try to ignore and walk past the Mikoshi Nudo, the angry giant will crush them or pierce them with bamboo spears or branches. The same fate is met by those who turn and try to run away. People who stare at the Mikoshi Nudo frozen in fear will drop dead on the spot overcome by its presence. The only possible escape is to anticipate the Mikoshi Nudo thus its name, uh, meet it face to face, eye to eye, and show no fear. Then look from its head down to its feet, rather than starting at the feet and looking up. If done properly, the giant's power to grow will be sapped. Telling the giant, you lost, I anticipated your trick, causes it to vanish in anger, leaving the traveler to pass safely along. Um, and then this goes on to, to, to collaborate Cor corroborate the um, other forms where it can be the Itachi weasel, the Tanuki, um, basically shape-shifting in order to better hunt people since they're otherwise small. Um, right. Uh, so giving a little bit more, inform I guess, context to transformed um, Mikoshi. Uh, <laughs> They, when they are uh, a result of a transformation, that's when it carries a bucket or a lantern or some other tool. And ah, that okay. tool is where the shapeshifter's true body is stored. Um, so if you snatch the tool away um, before the giant attacks you, it, it de destroys the illusion and then you're, you've basically caught the, the tanuki or whatever it is in your hands. Ah, um, right. So you, you have it. Um that's a little bit more explanatory than, uh, than the Wikipedia article. The and again, like the little image that the this, this book shows is the super long necked and very fuzzy um, version of the Mikoshi Nudo. Uh, 
this is a this is a pretty cool. We we've kind of covered the Nudo um <laughs> two years ago, <laughs> um, <laughs> way back in the beginning uh, with some Neo stuff. Uh, but I don't recall going specifically to the Mikoshi. I think we were looking at the um, uh, Hitotsume Nudo and all the other ones. But uh, yeah, that's that is our monster of the week. Yes. The our our yokai of the oh, week. yes our yokai um <laughs> uh, the the uh, yokai uh, that'll kill you no matter what you do unless you look down on them and then gloat uh, yes specifically gloat or catch yes. them gotta catch them all yeah yep um I'm sure you know what I think I know what yokai watch is now just from this one yokai. <laughs> um, I've got it. I've got it down. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, they never, they never stop being entertaining, Dave. I love it. I love all the rules. I love the regulations. It's always a fantastic journey into the world of yokai here on Monster Dare Monster. So many rules. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember all these. We'll just end up dying. <laughs> oh, I thought I was looking at its feet first. Oh, I got it all wrong. Now I got crushed by his bamboo spear. Great. All right. Well, with with giants with long necks that you can't look at, can't run from, uh, we're going to transition poorly. I was hoping that I could somehow transition uh that into our main topic but i can't um hey surprise everyone as mentioned early we are back to the wonderful um enthralling not at all miserable and depressing world of melvina's therapy um and we uh covered uh the uh on our last episode, where we talked about uh, Melvina's therapy, uh, we uh, uh, came to the end of what could be called the uh, first arc of the series. Um, yes, the opposite, opposite therapies finished up the first chunk um, before the author started the next bit yes. of it. Um, and so we're covering resilience, which is the the beginning of the next, or I guess the last half of it, sort of. Just yes. Yes. Uh, a, a chapter uh, that uh, episode that deals uh, with a a newly introduced character of uh, Beatrice, um, a uh, a uh, plucky. Therapist? Did we did we already? Yes. This was introduced. Yes. She's, with she's introduced at the end of um, opposite therapies. Yes. Uh, plucky therapist who thinks that Melvina's up to no good. Whisper, she is. Um, and um, <laughs> because Melvina killed her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, well, right. Yeah. Uh, her patient turned. Boyfriend who she actually yeah. <laughs> then broke boyfriend. up with. Yes, then broke up with because she realized that that's no bueno. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so Beatrice is super suspicious of old lady Melvina and her therapeutic practices. And um, this kind of uh, this episode uh, starts kind of midway her fake session with Melvina, um, where she's giving her just enough detail about her life uh, without actually uh, getting to the root of her problems to uh, keep herself uh, uh, separated from from the actual therapeutic process while investigating her. There's just enough truth in there to make it a convincing lie. Exactly. Um, and then we uh, transition into a uh, flashback. Uh, before that, though, uh, Beatrice uh, tells us through internal monologue that uh, her father left her and her mother uh, one day. Uh, her mother slipped into a depression and uh, unfortunately committed suicide. Uh, so... That's uh, the beginning of B's origin story. Dave, do you want to uh, take us from where we go from there with that information? Uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So um, due to her um, first, I guess some of her sessions doesn't, doesn't make sense. I think it's her first session with um, Melvina, Melvina, recommends that she um go on or this was a it's a, a therapeutic program uh, and this is a program hosted by an associate of melvina uh, gur and yeah it's a as i mentioned it's a retreat um for i think it's a seven day or something i don't remember the length of it's a it's about a week something like that and it's an isolation exercise where you you kind of go to a um, like sort of like a hostel out in the to the countryside, and you you give up your your phones and spend the duration um, with other patients and with a therapist, and sort of do you know it's it's a retreat away from all the things that cause that are, that are causing you your troubles. Uh, and to sort of internalize that the the things that are bothering you um, can be kept at bay um, by basically putting on a, a happy face, literally. Yes. Speaking of happy faces. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Gurr <laughs> um, is always smiling. Um, it's it's not even a is it a smile? No, it's a rictus. It's got a Joker grin. I was I was actually <laughs> about to say yes. It is it is ex, uh, explicitly a a ricticy grin. Um, that is his face at all times. There will be no change. There will be no deviation. Uh, that is the way that this man looks, and it immediately sets off alarm bells. Um, because uh, he is super creepy. Um, yeah. uh, in fact, the entire scenario really is, 
you know, I get it. Therapeutic retreats, a lot of them take place in nature, but there's just a, a handful of stipu- stipulations that just set off alarm bells like, oh, we'll just lock your phones in the van for week two. Because, well, I mean, that's, you know, outside that's distractions. Part, yeah, that's part of a lot of these retreats, even if it's like a business one. Sometimes they, they'll put the phones in a a lockbox or something and you know that as a trope does it when does that ever work out usually it does not and never it doesn't work out in this case either yep um so um of the it's a it's a gen it's a group of unnamed i would say they're like 20 somethings yeah uh and they're i say unnamed but that's the the general faceless masses of the retreat. Uh, however, we are introduced specifically to um, Emma and Ziggy. Yes. Ziggy Stardust. Um, Ziggy. <laughs> He's who, definitely who, David Bowie. <laughs> either that or, or, or I'm, and I'm looking specifically at the star. It might just be a Jojo <laughs> reference as well. It could be. Definitely looks like <laughs> David yeah, no, not going to disagree. <clears throat> um, yes, Ziggy, uh, he is... Young, is, young is, David Bowie. <laughs> yes. He's there um, and is uh, immediately greets B um, with a simple hey. Um, and uh, they get to the house in the middle of nowhere, and it's glorious and gorgeous and serene and... Uh, the cell phones are locked away, and then they start uh, their first uh, workshop with Gurr and um, his assistant. She's see. not really an assistant. She's just yeah. uh, a more promising therapy patient. Yes, because, uh, and this is Emma, and yep. so what the situation is, is that um, Gurr and Emma participated in this therapy session uh previously this is the second time that it's ever been uh uh been practiced uh and they felt so strongly about it that they wanted to share it with the world um yeah uh, it's been developed um in accordance with melvina like yes melvina is she's not involved in this it's like an offshoot of it yeah. Um, so it's, it, this is totally under Gur's um, control. Uh, or it's his, he's expanded, I think, upon the ideologies that um, Melvina sets forth. And they have to watch a creepy cult. It's, it's like a cult. Um, <laughs> they have to watch a, a little video um, uh, with Melvina explaining the, like, the, the tenets of what this therapy is all about. And like oh, how, you mean how you would use it? You mean the the allergy medication video starring Melvina, which is my favorite thing, one of my favorite <laughs> things in the series, because it every single shot of her in this video is her like ah now I'm standing at a bookcase now I'm staring out the window holding a cup of tea. It's my favorite thing um, 
in this in this particular chapter is is the Melvina allergy commercial <laughs> that they show all of these people um because it is it is fantastically completely off key like she's smiling it's the best i love it i love it so much yeah this is um there's no real way to like spoil it because we're doing that anyway but uh a no i've forgotten the name of the show um it is the one. Oh no, no, it's not. It's, it's the one about the little the psychic kid. He's a psychic kid. <laughs> yeah, he's the psychic kid with like one hundred percent psychic power. Right? Oh, mob psycho one hundred. Yes, 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 that one. So <laughs> this is a version of that um, smile. Oh yeah, thing. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's that, but it's more creepy. No, no, um, I guess that oh. one's equally creepy. This is just worse, I think, because yeah. it's more realistic. Yeah. Some sort of. Um, and it's also worth mentioning uh, that Emma is a famous YouTuber um, who uh, was diagnosed with cancer and has been fighting back with positive thinking. Positive vibes, yeah. Gets rid of the humor. Yep. Seems legit to me. Um, um, B also is kind of not having it, especially after uh, the the uh, therapy uh, video starring Melvina, and she's handed what by Ger uh, and Emma, uh, Dave. This is where they're given all the masks, right? Yep. Yeah, the they are. Um... There's a name for these. It's like the theater masks. Yeah, it's like comedy a, it's tragedy. Like, yeah, but it's it's worse because they're spooky. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's like rictus grins, like excessively happy. But there's also it's a blank face. There's yeah. no there's no detail on it. It's just the i the idea of a smile. But yeah, that, that's all it is. Yeah, it um, is it, it it is it is happiness um without nuance. That's yeah. um because hey, guess what? The way to solve all of your problems is to just smile. Smile all the time, no matter how you feel. Put this mask on. Uh doesn't take a psychotherapist to to come to the conclusion that this is probably going to turn out poorly. Um, yeah, that's not, <laughs> that's not a great, um, idea. No, not at all. Cause it's, you're, it's worse than like bottling everything up because you're doing that too. And right. then you're just put on a happy face kids, you know? Yep. Um, but then the therapy, it, uh, it involves another questionable, um, mechanic so after they've put these masks on and they're doing other random activities uh they they get a session where two uh well they 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 do the requisite like everyone stand up and 
tell your story of why you're here, kind of. Yes. And then then as you're <laughs> as you're being traumatized by telling the story again, we're gonna tickle the trauma out of you. Yep. Because we'll associate we'll, we'll make your brain associate uh, the traumatic memories with um, something funny like being tickled to death. Yeah, uh, because they're not going to stop tickling you till you pass out. <laughs> I think that's what is what happened. Uh, yeah. And what if someone's not ticklish? That you're just kind of stabbing them with your fingers. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, that that is questionable thing number two, and then number three is they, which is worse, I think. Um, they have uh, Beatrice and and Ziggy. They pick just. I think everyone's supposed to do this, but they pick those two and they have them sit on the stage on little chairs facing each other and then tell them to smile, like make the, you know, it's an excessive smile forcefully. Uh, right. And then they will insult the other person with things that they feel are negative traits. Like, so, so Beatrice is just going to say whatever she feels negatively about Ziggy and, Vice versa. And the one is a. Someone will lose when they stop smiling. Yep. So I don't get. <laughs> I mean, none of these therapies sound great, but this one definitely, like, what's the. I'm going to insult you until you get mad at, mad enough at me to, like, stop smiling. <laughs> is, it, is it supposed to build up? We're going to keep doing this exercise daily until you can, like, just smile through any insult. I think that's yep. what it's supposed to do. It's just building up tolerance to negativity through your weird rictus grin. Yep. I think. Um, they didn't explain hey, it, I, but that's what it seems. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a big, uncomfortable game show that that everyone also watches while yes, it's yes, going it's on, a, too. It's on a stage. Um, what, while, while wearing the mask. So there's also that un. un highly uncomfortable feedback coming, coming oh yeah you're just, back you're just you. the audience is just these blank smiles and then the people on stage aren't wearing the masks you have to be able to see them break, right break their smile. uh yeah uh and surprise beatrice loses um because uh ziggy brings up uh, uh all the unpleasant details about uh beatrice's uh life um so she snaps uh, and loses. <laughs> well, he just immediately went there. He's like, "Yeah, well, your mom's dead." <laughs> like that's yeah. like okay. You just went with like the the strongest thing you could think of when she's just kind of mocking his appearance. Yeah, she's doing like um, surface level jibes, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna stab you." Yeah, mainly because uh, Beatrice doesn't really think that Ziggy's issue, which um, is just a a lack of being able to connect with people. Yeah. Is is worthy of being here at this retreat? It doesn't seem it's not like even, such a big I don't deal. even think that it's that she thinks it's worthy. It's it's something that's not like why is he here, right? Because no, you're you're that would be putting worth in their treatment. This is not a worthwhile treatment. But I mean, regardless, uh, she his his issues to her seem superficial. This is why she's right. just picking at superficial um, issues or problems that she might have with him. Uh, that being said, he is probably the most, aside from uh, Beatrice herself, one of the most level-headed people yes. there. And by, by virtue of his 
having not deep-seated problems, um, he is a little bit more able to see through the, the, the basically the, the bullshit of this <laughs> program. Yeah, exactly. It, it it's it's it becomes very clear that um, everyone other than uh, than uh, Ziggy, Beatrice, uh, and Emma are are nearly constantly shown wearing the mask at all times. Yeah, now. they they have immediately they've drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, like, from the get go. And um, as this this little impromptu game session uh, shows. Um, Beatrice, aside from, you know, breaking the, the smile character, um, she gains something from this, this experiment. So the next, the next day, uh, and I don't, we may have mentioned this, but generally these, um, web comics, they're all in black and white. Yes. Um, however, the next several pages are in full Technicolor. Yeah, is because Beatrice has awakened to the uh, the promise and the um, uh, capabilities of this of this particular therapy. She is accepting of the spooky mass and the methodology that it's um, it's being presented to her, and she's enjoying uh, participating in all the activities. And it's all, as we said, rendered in. Full color. Yes, it is. Sunshine um, and roses. Yes. Sunshines and lollipops and rainbows. Something, something. <laughs> Don't know the rest of the song. But yes. Yeah. Uh, and she's also become, um, um, actually seemingly formed a connection with Ziggy. Because, hey, surprise. Conflict kind can sometimes lead to an actual relationship. Uh, surprise therapy, you, you, you smile therapy, you don't work. Um, and to, to double down on how much this smile therapy doesn't work, um, uh, at, at, at a certain point, uh, while Beatrice is enjoying her new best life, uh, she has uh, tea with uh, tea or coffee with Ziggy. Uh, and then becomes ill uh, because earlier it's mentioned that uh, uh, Beatrice is lactose intolerant. Um, and after she throws up, uh, Ziggy informs her that uh, he switched her lactose-free milk with regular milk to make her throw up because, surprise, surprise, they've been drugging her food. Uh, comic then returns to black and white. It is pretty amazing. It's yeah, it's that's... it's a it's a good segment, um, and one that also high uh, high highlight highlights the fact that um, I didn't realize that uh, um, Beatrice's hair was like pink, like color, oh, right. colorful. Yeah, um, it's it's in there in the the black and white. She, there's a gradation in her hair, um, but it was mm-hmm. definitely like surprise. She has super pink hair, but right. Um, uh, oh, also, having had quite a few friends and family members that are lactose intolerant, I'm surprised she threw up because normally that's not <laughs> not the reaction. Yeah. It's usually yeah. the other other end. Um, yeah. And I'm like, that wouldn't have really solved the issue. You would have just made her 
have to run to the bathroom. Yeah, um, and also would have made like the would have made the post evacuation scene really uh, really change the tone of that too. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that that being the only <laughs> criticism I have of like any of this stuff actually, aside from the the weird cult thing that's on purpose. But um, yep. Uh, and yeah, and so uh, surprise, they've been drugging her food, uh, and and now she and Ziggy are are like dead set on getting out of here because that's nuts. Yeah, uh, I didn't sign up for the druggy cult. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, and and furthermore, to be drugged against her knowledge. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they uh, they do the typical playing a bit um, uh, while they make their plan to escape. I think it's really funny that uh, everyone is shown eating dinner. Um, Beatrice isn't eating her soup. She's uh, she's waiting for it to cool down. Everyone seems to insist that it's fine. But my favorite thing about it is that everyone's eating with their mask on. Yeah, <laughs> there might be a hole in the mask. It doesn't show. Yeah. Really. Um. So, uh, uh, Beatrice, uh, uh, fate, uh, eats the soup, throws it up <laughs> later. <laughs> she goes, mm. "Yep." <laughs> like, yeah, literally, literally, Sally from the Nightmare Before Christmas with the slotted spoon. Mm, yeah. It's so good. I love it. Um. <laughs> uh, and uh. They uh they decide that they because they don't have the keys to the van that they'll just uh break into it um which they do and then they're immediately set upon by everybody else like almost instantly um, well they get like they get a call out yes they it, do it ends abruptly and then they get mobbed by the smileys um we also have a little bit backtracking slightly uh because we did mention emma um there's a moment a little earlier when beatrice um bumps into emma uh at night when she's emma's i don't know beatrice is trying to use the the restroom and yes um, emma is in there talking to herself but it's it's it almost seems like she's talking to somebody else and then it's a little um ambiguous as to what she's doing but she's she's definitely upset about something yes foreshadowing events we get almost kind of well we get like a little side tale because the the readers of course are privy more to more of the goings on at the cult rather than um specific we're not tied just to uh beatrice's point of view which is right um yep so they are they are uh uh uh, set upon by the happy smiley uh, cult, uh, uh, B is knocked unconscious, um, and um, when she comes to, she is tied to a chair, uh, surrounded by uh, candles as as Ger attempts to prod Emma into pouring gasoline on her and lighting her on fire to prove Emma's commitment to the therapy. Yep, solidarity at its finest. Um, one thing that I 
misunderstood earlier because because the the, the moment that I mentioned um, that's not from Beatrice's point of view. We have Gur and Emma uh, discussing things elsewhere. Um, Emma, the reason why she was upset in the in the bathroom is she her her cancer is not in um, full remission. Yes, it's like something is coming back. It's some sort of like kind of cancerous tumors on her back um, mm-hmm. that I think had gone away, but are, are are coming back. And she's she's that's her her sort of moment of doubting the efficacy of this this therapy that she's going through. Right. She's here doing all this effort, and it's not being physically rewarded um, with the, uh, the you know the the remission of, of the cancer. Um, my my misunderstanding was that, uh, and it, <laughs> I guess it's worse than it's way worse than what actually is occurring, sort of. But I misunderstood that to read as the the growths on her back were being used to make the medicine to make everyone loopy. Ah, okay. (laughs) Based mostly on what Melvina has been doing previously. Right. I was like, I don't, that that didn't surprise me if that's what the angle that this was taking. Cause it, you know, she's mentioned cancer, but that doesn't, those growths did not like signify cancer to me at the time. I mm-hmm. thought that maybe it was some sort of like manifestation of her depression or sadness and right. I don't know. Um, I was just like, yeah, that's really disgusting. And they're like, oh, okay, no, that's just actually her cancer, and they're just being fed regular uh, mood elevators or whatever. Right. Anyway, that was just my my aside. That doesn't <laughs> really help anything other than going like I thought this was way worse than it already kind of is. But yes, back to the um, the testing of Emma's faith in the in the in the therapy. Yep, uh, Emma says she can't do it. Uh, surprise, surprise! Uh, Gur hits her because when you want to make your villain really bad, you have them hurt a lady or an animal. Um, and then uh, Gur attempts to uh, finish the deed himself uh, and is side tackled by Ziggy. Uh, in what is probably one of my favorite frames from a comic book where he's just hit from the side and just looks like a mannequin. Um, so oh, yeah. real good. <laughs> it's like, it gets like just tackled. Yes. It's, it's a good one. And, it's, and is just, just looking stuck straight at the camera with his big with his stupid smile. grin. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ziggy literally bashes his face in because surprise, surprise, it's it's a it's an issue of Melvina's therapy. So um, Gurr's big creepy rictus grin, even though that is his face, is nothing more than a porcelain mask because um, because Melvina and Melvina adjacent things really just end up twisting and corrupting normal things that come into contact with it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the final touch, the best indicator of what's going on. Um, the entire time uh, that we're, we're introduced to Gur, he's wearing a little button, a little smiley yep. face button. And 
this moment here where his his actual his it's his his mask, but it's not you know it's not a real mask cracks uh, and he becomes upset um, while still smiling. The little button on his shirt has turned into a frown. <laughs> it's like yep, it it it's an anthropomorphic button, and it's awesome. Yep, it's real good. Um, so yeah, um, the gas gets knocked over, lands on a on a uh, open flame. Uh, B and Ziggy attempt to make their escape, only to be stopped by uh, the like, like now instantaneously rotting uh, Ger as uh, like black blood and maggots yeah. fall out. He's, yeah, he's got he's got the worms. It's bad. Yeah, uh, he gets he gets he gets big bloodborne. He gets big crawling corpses uh, almost immediately. Um, and attempts to attack them, as any good monster would, uh, only to be stopped by Emma. Um, and then B and Ziggy run out of the uh, the house right before it explodes. Yes. Um, uh, and then we get uh, a almost a thing ending for just a little bit where the base is now uninhabitable and they're off in the snow. Um, but then they're just picked up by, by the, by the police or our first responders because they did manage to get the, the call out. Yeah. The location. So they're, they're, they do the whole final frame of them in the, in the helicopter, um, traveling home with little blankets on them and little happy, um, t-shirts that I guess the helicopter responders had. Yes, bird t-shirts. <laughs> uh, and so uh, this uh, ends up wrapping up uh, with B mentioning that this is what uh, caused her to want to be a therapist and also started uh, what started her looking into Melvina, which was really galvanized when her uh, patient uh, killed himself in her office. Um. And so we now have like a uh, a, a protagonist character that seems to be um, um, uh, a reoccurring character that will uh, be a foil for Melvina. Yes, and I I haven't read further than this, so I'm doubly excited to to continue on um, covering more and more of these. Uh, the stories have integrated very well um there's good spooky things happening in each of these and the uh the presence of one sort of uh overarching plot is is really good it's good stuff yeah yeah i uh, i really liked uh first seasons um build up with with the very um episodic uh anthology uh, stories with Melvina serving as the uh, center uh, focal point that tied all of them together. But now this expanded uh, storyline involving her past and what she's attempting to do, if anything, it, it, it really is a nice turn for the series, in my opinion. Yeah, it'll be great to see uh, what, what happens next on these. Um 
this was good. It gave us a little bit more con. Well, gives a lot more context to um, our heroine and uh, her her her. So because like, even with it, it doesn't mirror, but it. Well, I guess you can look at opposing therapies. Um, uh, uh, what this does is give her a very strong origin story. Um, yes. Uh, you know, maybe not as gross out strong as uh, Melvina's, but it's no less like impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, this also would make a great like little short film. Yes. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I, it, I think it's it's really smart to have had this uh be these be uh, chron- chrono- uh chronologically be uh her uh b's first encounter with melvina uh with a melvina adjacent uh horror yeah only to then have that reaffirmed that something's wrong with what she's doing with her uh with her patient so yeah. it's just two ins it's just two events but they're two uh gigantically traumatic events in her life uh centered around this one woman so it's, it serves as a like a good solid motivator for her to become suspicious and investigator no oh, oh for sure i mean you're seeing supernatural-esque things that are bad happening as a result of one person's meddling yep like their their actions Mm -hmm. uh, pointing to something more horrible at large um without anything direct right um it's 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 good storytelling and it's good world building because we're seeing the stuff that melvina does and and seeing it all of this is it's indirect action Right. Melvina's hand isn't, it's only there to take at the end what she wants. It's only there in the beginning to spur something into action. She really is a, um, it's not just like a mastermind. It's, it's a, it's more subtle than that. I think. Mm. It's, it's more the idea of, um, like sort of a chaos effect where Melvina's doing small, subtle things that are having larger impacts like elsewhere. And then, right. then leaving them to, like, run their course. Yeah. And then just reaping the rewards afterwards. Yes. It's it's less action and more subtle influence. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's resilience. Um, that really, uh, uh, once again, not, not a big gross out, not a big scare chapter, but some really good st- storytelling, some really good uh, character work and world building uh, that will uh, move forward uh, with the series. Um, once again, really, really uh, highly recommend Melvina's Therapy. Um, it's a fantastic series. It's now officially a completed series. Yes. Um, so uh, you can uh, experience the entire story if you want right now. And I would actually highly suggest that. Let's see if I can pull up the um, little notes, the, the author's notes. 
Uh, yes. Here briefly. Almost there. Oh, here we go. So the general influences um, from this are, as we mentioned, um, the, the, the presence of these sort of these minor cults that <clears throat> still heavily influence them, you know, the actual ones that um, influence people and uh, cause like disruption, social disruption. Um, the films such as Imitation, Get Out, The Purge, um, and I'm not familiar with Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. The Purge is evident, I think, in the masks. Yep. Um, specifically that they wear. Um, Get Out, I think, also is self-explanatory in this sort of um, emotional manipulation. Um, yeah. And I think a little bit more in um, uh, Gurr's character because the the masquerade that idea of um, people's personality being eroded or supplanted by something else. And you're just seeing the, the shell of it. Yeah. And it's on the inside. It's, it's well, and you get out. It's a different person literally, but right. um, in this, it's just that, well, I think even the, the people in get out that had supplanted their, their marks, I guess, um, were horrible people. Not, yes. Not not just because of what they were doing, but in their worldview, in in their habits, in their just every everything about them um, mm-hmm. is that rottenness, and that's what's right. you know evident in um, Gur. Uh, I don't remember the invitation. I don't. I don't. I may have not have seen the invitation. And then there's a little, I think uh, she, she mentioned there's a nod to the Wicker Man in one of the yeah, um, the, the which is just in a little, which is just in a <laughs> painting yeah. in the background. And although this this predates um, uh, Midsommar by by quite a bit, the yeah, the, yes, the central <laughs> uh, color panels, mm-hmm. um, the colors used in there, and that just that bright, that over bright sunshine and happiness um mm. is in really i think direct relation to um themes that um midsummer was dealing with in, in particular because that movie deals with um depression with families well you know these are co- common tropes but they're something uh and there's something that you know these people deal with here in this in this story but also um i think on a general level um these sort of communes and cults which again is arguably peak midsommar (laughs) um right deals with two i think they would make a good pairing as far as Mm -hmm. watching one and kind of reading through this and you i think you can get more out of these things um by understanding not just influences on it but things that are like tangentially related Yes, agreed. Well, at that probably I don't remember anything else. <laughs> probably okay. wraps us up on this episode unless you have something. I don't. I uh, I I do remember reading uh, first time that I read this uh, this particular episode that I uh, I think that this was the one that really sold me. Uh, uh, like super sold me on on this the series 
um, just because of the expanding of the world and its scope and and uh, and while focusing on like a central conflict between clearly between Beatrice and Melvina, which is really the the through line in which the rest of the series travels. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't worry, there's still a bunch of gross nonsense and then um, you will get you will get your gross nonsense uh, if you stick with it. Uh, but it will be it will also uh, become even more and more cerebral and um, existentially um, uncomfortable for for people reading. Good. <laughs> that's what we're here for. And monsters. Uh, yes. And that's our uh, the hey surprise. Hey, hey, listener, surprise. The monster was man all along. And weird zombie uh, gur. But yeah, <laughs> that's just the the superficial spooky level. Yeah, I, I, I do like the idea that it. Yeah, he he committed so hard to, to this this smile uh, uh, emotional avoidance thing that he literally became a mask and the person that was inside just rotted. Yep, remember kids, don't bottle up your emotions. Nope. You can put away the smile mask. <laughs> All right, that's it for uh, <laughs> uh, Melvina's therapy for this episode of Monster Dear Monster. And really, I think the end of the episode, Dave? Yeah. I Time think for that, some that, house uh, cleaning? That wraps us up. Um, oh, additionally... For those curious, uh, the next few episodes, uh, word on the street is that we'll be taking a look into some Hammer horror films. So we'll go back in time a little bit and uh, take a peek at some classic uh, spooky movies um, with some classic movie monsters. Yes. And probably Vincent Price. Probably good, pretty, Vincent Price. Pretty, pretty good bet on Vincent Price making an appearance. He may be. He may be there. He may be there. And Peter Cushing. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and all the uh, all the associated uh, big names. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right, Dave, where can people find you? They can find me primarily on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus. And how about yourself, Leonard? They can find me also on Twitter at uh, Dr. Faust is dead. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Well, just search for Dr. Faust is dead and my channel should be uh, should pop up. I make videos. They're entertaining. That's all you're going to get from me. That's the biggest plug that you're going to get from me moving forward on the show. Watch my video. <laughs> Watch my videos. <laughs> I don't sound sad and desperate at all. Just check out my channel. And if you like it, think about giving me a sub. That's all I'm going to, that's all I've got for you. Right. Uh, and, and also uh, for our fallen sleepy boy, uh, Cameron, you can find him at night underscore Twinton. Yes. Uh, on Twitter, um, 
he has cats and he loves them and he's sleeping. Yes. <laughs> All right. Bye folks. <laughs> we'll Bye see everyone. You probably next week actually. So maybe Thank- a little little yeah. sooner than our last long hiatus. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.